Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Praise the Lord, everybody. Welcome to our Wednesday night virtual Bible study. We are so honored that you have taken time to join us and to all the Anchor family. We are looking forward to seeing you this coming weekend. We will be having live services, and we are expecting a great time Saturday night at 7, of course, Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.30, and then prayer on Sunday night, which will be very, very powerful. If there's ever an hour that we need to pray, it's right now. And um, I want you to stand at home, if you would, and would you lift your hands to the Lord and ask His presence to come into your house, that the Lord would allow that your pl- house would become the sanctuary for his presence. Would you do that? Lord Jesus, we love you right now. God, we are here needing your voice, a clear sound in a time of uncertainty. In our nation, certainly, Lord, with everything going on with the pandemic, I just pray for there to be a moving of your spirit tonight. For that's what we need more than anything, oh God, is the moving of your presence. In Jesus' name, we pray. We do want to say we have a veteran service coming up. We want you to be looking forward to that. Uh, It's going to be a a great, great time. And so we're excited to honor our veterans. Uh, Also, I do want to say that if we will maintain our social distancing and and uh, our phase two, we won't have any spread. What has been going on in our services has been very, very safe. I've been uh, proactive in the decisions I've made based upon the potential, uh, the potential cases that we have heard could be. And, and I'm glad things turned out a lot better than it seemed they were going to with some cases with some families of the church. And uh, we're excited to return to services. But if you will just follow the phase two guidelines that we've put up, uh, we'll all be safe and can continue to have church. I will remind you that if you have symptoms, it's best to stay home. And I do encourage you, if the symptoms linger, you ought to get tested just for so you'll know to, to because you are your brother's keeper. I think that would be the safest thing to do, that you'll know if you have that or not. So... Um, uh, we are looking forward to a move of God, and it, it is a serious time. It's a serious time. Another minister passed away with this. Irving Baxter just passed away. We're so grieved to hear this. Many, many preachers have passed away this year uh, due to this sickness, and uh, we want to be in prayer. That's my message tonight. Is we're going to talk about repentance and prayer and getting a hold of God. I do believe that God hears the prayers of his people. I want you to say amen to that. Do you believe that? God really does. He hears the prayers of his people. The book of Job is where I will uh, take my text here tonight. Uh, The book of Job, chapter 1. And it is a time that that, uh, Satan appeared with the angels, the sons of God, and and the Lord says to him in verse 7, Job chapter 1 and verse 7, and it says, And the Lord said unto Satan, Whence comest thou? Then Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and 
fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it. And the Lord said unto Satan, notice this phrase, Hast thou considered my servant Job, that there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and an upright man, one that feareth God and escheweth evil. He, he's, he's upright. He's a man of his word. He's a perfect man. And what does it say? He's one that feareth God and he escheweth evil. What was he doing? The Lord was testifying about this amazing man that served him and his name was Job. It's like one guy said in one time he, he thought his name was Job, but it's Job. I'm going to talk to you tonight about true repentance. True repentance. And God bless you. You can be seated. I, I do want to give a shout out because Brother Denver Nelson is helping me here tonight. And uh, happy birthday to him. We honor, honor, honor him. Appreciate all that he does for the kingdom of God. We're so thankful for him and his family. When, uh, what is repentance? And uh, what is true repentance? I'll never forget when I was a teenager and uh, we had so many young people to come from our high school and repented uh, at our church there in Glen Ferris, the Glen Ferris Apostolic Church. It was so powerful. One after another would come and they, were, they would be delivered from their sins, baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Spirit. When they would return back to the school, I'll never forget what the teachers would say. They said, over the years, we've seen many people say they were saved, but within a few days, they were living the same life again. They said, but when people were going down there to the, to the uh, Glen Ferris Apostolic Church, when they repented, you would see a change in their life. And I, I want to talk about that because many people say they've repented, but they don't live a life of repentance. They haven't, they're not in a place of repentance. And uh, the question here to ask tonight is what is true repentance? Jesus said in Luke chapter 13 in verse 3 and verse 5, he said that except ye repent, he said you all likewise perish. Of course, he, he, he repeats that in verse 5. Except ye repent. You're going to perish. He said, you're going to perish like everybody else. Every sinner, every whoremonger, every, every, every thief, uh, every murderer. That if you don't repent, you're going to have the same judgment as them. But if you do repent, there's mercy for you. And what is repentance? And, you know, growing up as a little kid, you, you don't always pick up on everything. And, and, but the, the full context or the depth of a, of a word but growing up, I, I sort of thought that repentance, even though I had truly repented, but in my mind, repentance was just saying, I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry, God. Lord, I'm sorry for the sins that, that I committed, a mistake I said, or something I said, or disobeyed my parents, didn't clean my room, whatever it was I did, or did something I shouldn't have done. And I remember one time we made some mistakes as a kid. My dad took us to the to the coffee table and we repented and prayed and we do that with our own children at home. But I, I want to say to you that in my mind as a child, I, I just sort of thought that repentance was just telling God you're sorry. And so every day, you know, we'd hear verses like, you know, uh, uh, I died daily, Paul would say. And so every, every day I'd get on my knees and I'd tell the Lord, oh God, I'm sorry if there's anything I've said or done. Maybe it's something I didn't realize I've done. I'm sorry. I, I'm not against that. I think it's right, but uh, is it possible to apologize for your sins and not live in true repentance? 
The answer is yes. It's, it's possible to come to the altar and quote unquote repent, but not true, live in true repentance. I will say to you that when someone repents, you won't just hear them repent. You're going to see them repent. You're going to see a change in their life. When you look at verses that such as Luke 5 and 31, it says, And Jesus answering said unto them, They that are whole need not a physician, but they that are sick. He said, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to, everybody say, repentance. Hebrews 6 and 1 says, Therefore, leaving the principles of the the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance. Hebrews 12 and 17 says, For you know how that after when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place of repentance. When you're talking about repentance, Look at Acts 5 and 31 says, Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior for to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. Acts 11 and 18 says, When they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God saying, Then hath God also to the Gentiles granted Repentance unto life. One more. 2 Timothy 2 and 25 says that, that peradventure, if God peradventure, which means possibly, will give them repentance. What is repentance? Repentance by its definition is a place. It's a place where you feel about things the way God feels about things. Repentance isn't just something you do in your own term. You you feel guilty and you go pray. That's not repentance. Repentance, my friend, is when you start feeling about your life the way God feels about your life. And not only about your life, but about the nature of God. You start taking on the nature of God. So when God grants you repentance or draws you to a place of repentance, you're going to start becoming aware of things in your life that are not right. You're going you're, you're gonna, to you're gonna be, uh, you're going to feel conviction over things that you say, you do, you wear. I've seen people come into the church in the atmosphere of the holiness of God because the atmosphere of the church was this place of repentance. It was a place of conviction. And uh, the ladies' dresses that were above their knee, they would start, I would watch them. They'd never been in the church. It wasn't because of what they had seen, but because of the atmosphere they felt. They would start trying to get their, their, their short dresses below, below the knee to cover the knee because they were feeling conviction. They were feeling the nature of God. It was, it, it was never the will of God for a, a, a lady to show her thigh and, and to show, uh, to become uh, sexy in her appearance. And while we're on this, we better be careful that we don't fall into this cosmetic, uh, this cosmetic drive of our culture to become sexy and appeal. I'm preaching to the ladies right now. When you look at back in the early 1900s, it was it, it was it was it was considered it was considered immoral for cosmetics to be used in the Christian culture, but. You know, anything that happens in the world, it, it eventually tries to get into the church, but now it's become so accepted. And what used to look like in Hollywood would portray the adulterous woman in one of the, in one of the mo- movies of, of, of 
Christ, uh, telling the story of Christ, you know, now that's the way people dress because even Hollywood understood at one time what looks immoral. And I'm going to tell you, we've got to get back to the old path. Where is the good way? And we've got to walk therein. And before you change your convictions, you've got to ask yourself, have I been alone with God? Have I been doing what I'm supposed to be doing? I see people getting revelations and they're starting to feel, you know, uh, it doesn't bother me anymore. Probably one of the most dangerous things that have ever been said to me was this. They said, your preaching doesn't faze me anymore. It used to move me to tears. It used to move me to the altar, but it doesn't bother me anymore. Could I tell you? Because repentance is an opportunity. When the word of God is being preached and God is calling you away from your sin and he has granted you the opportunity for at least some period of time, The Bible says in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 20 and 21, it says that God gave Jezebel, the wicked Jezebel, a space to repent. That meant there was a period of time in her life from this point to this point that she actually began to feel about her sins the way God felt about her sins, which meant there would be a level of remorse. There would have been some level of conviction. I shouldn't have done that. I regret that I'd ever made these decisions. That would have been what she would have been going through. But there was a moment in her life because she did not respond to that place of repentance or that space of time that God dealt with her. Guess what? When she turned that off, guess what she went on? She went on not a repentant person. And she went back to the way, she went on living the way she was living. You listen to this preacher. When God moves upon you, and you start feeling convictions for your alcohol and your nicotine and your fornication and your adultery and your pornography. My goodness, there's got to get something to get a hold of you and realize this is not just political awareness. This is not just family traditions that's getting a hold of me. It's actually a granted gift for you to feel about the things you're doing wrong so you can repent and get it right with God. And that word repent means to turn, to change your mind, to take on the nature of Christ. We're not here just to go to church and call ourselves Christians. Our goal is to put on the mind of Christ. It ought to trouble you. It ought to trouble you to live in adultery. It should trouble you to live in fornication and call yourselves a Christian. The Bible says that bitter water and sweet water can't come out of the same well. You can't be having righteousness and unrighteousness at the same time. When God grants you repentance and you say, I know I shouldn't be doing these things. You need to stop doing those things and give it to God and say, change my heart from these simple ways change my heart from these things that I've been doing oh I know I'm in here by myself but I'm preaching to somebody you've got to allow God to stir your heart again I remember when I was just a young boy and I feel an old-fashioned, an old-fashioned revival that's going to come over this nation. I do. I really believe there's going to be an awakening. I believe God's going to bring this nation to its knees. God's going to get our attention. But somewhere the church has got to be the church. We've got to get back to prayer. We've got to get back to old-fashioned preaching and old-fashioned living. I'm not talking about just traditions. I'm talking about 
convictions. I'm talking about morality. I'm talking about living in purity. It matters what you watch. It matters what you listen to. It matters who you entertain yourselves with. And if you're not careful, you will fall into the same ditch. You will fall into the same rut that a generation has fallen into. Who would have ever thought that Christians could be okay with killing babies? Who would have ever thought that Christians are okay with with same-sex marriage? Who would have ever thought that a nation is okay with the things just right now, the things I've even seen in the election, even, even on the last few hours, the things on the ballot, such as no longer criminalizing uh, uh, heroin and cocaine in some states. You know why? Because marijuana is a gateway drug. Think of where I'm at. Just stay with me here. I'll get back on repentance. But look at a nation that is turned, a nation that is voting in. Not it starts with medical marijuana. Then it's then what is it? It's it's uh, uh, marijuana just just entertaining marijuana. And then what is next? Then it's okay to have heroin. It's it's here a little, and it's there a little. And if you're not, you know what's going to be next? Is if if it keeps going this direction, people are going to be coming to me, Pastor. You know, I'm having a bad day, and, you know, I'll do a little weed on the side. It's, you think that's okay, and, and uh, then I'll absolutely not. You don't need marijuana. You need Jesus is what I would tell them. But it's going to be, well, the doctor prescribed it to me because I got some nerve issues, and it's not long until people run to everything but Jesus. But I hear an old call of God that's going to get us back on our knees to where Jesus becomes the antidote instead of every pill, every drink, every drug. Come on, our community doesn't need another pill. They do not need another drug. They don't need marijuana to be set free from from the the legal ramifications of abusing it. But can I tell you what they need? They need a hot, fiery church that's been on its knees praying. And there is an atmosphere of repentance. God, I feel like preaching to somebody. The church, the church was built for moments like right now. The church was built for these times. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I feel this, and I feel like God, God stirring, stirring, stirring the church. I know he's stirring my heart. I feel moved in my soul. Who'd ever thought we live in a day where a transgender could win an election to the seat of the Senate? But it's where we are. It's where we are. But sin is sin. doesn't matter who it's in. It's not Right. These things are not right. It's not right to kill babies. This abortion isn't right. Listen to this preacher. It grieves God to do these things. And I believe that there's ever a time for a church to stand up. I wish somebody would get on your feet in your house and say, Preach, Pastor. We've got to get back to the heartbeat of God. We've got to get where the Lord is acknowledging this church that we're not weak. We're not bowed down to cultural pressures. But no, we're going to stand on his word because it's forever settled in heaven. Heaven and earth might pass away, but his words will never pass away. I've made my mind up. Culture can go wherever it wants to, but I'm going to stay in a Jesus culture. I'm going to stay in a Jesus conviction. I'm going to follow him. 
that old song says, I will stand for Jesus and I will let the world go by. Do you believe that today? Oh, clap your hands and praise him. Shout hallelujah even from your home. I feel a revival. Repentance, repentance is more than an apology. Repentance is a movement. Repentance is a nature. It's an atmosphere. It scares me. It grieves me even today to think that the things I preach to you, the things that I preach to you about the coming of the Lord, I laid up here one day grieving in prayer, saying, Lord, they're not listening to me anymore. They're not hearing my voice anymore. They're not listening to what I'm saying anymore. And I was so troubled in my soul because we've had backsliders that come back and praise God they've repented. I'm so thankful. But some of them have already, it's already wore off and they're returning back to the old ways. That's not true repentance. Come on, you can't get in this just to make the rapture. You got to get in this because you want to be like Jesus. You know what I say we do? I say we find an altar again and we pray until our heart becomes like the Lord's. We pray until we get moved by him again. It's repentance. 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 The Pharisee lexicon root word says that when a person gets into repentance, repentance is a place to where you will love what God loves and you will hate what God hates. You will love what he loves and you will hate what he hates. Can I say again today is that your heart becomes like the Lord's. Paul said it best maybe. He said the things I used to love I now hate and the things I used to hate I now love. And It's amazing that when you find repentance and you repent, you just don't feel it. You respond to it. You commit to it. You say, Lord, change my heart. David said it in Psalm 51. You read it later, but he said, Create in me a clean heart. Renew in me a right spirit. Stir me, oh God. Stir me. Let me get back, God, to the old path. Lord, take me back to that place where you anointed me, where my heart was towards you. I wasn't worried about what everybody else was thinking. It was just about what, that's what he was saying is God created me a clean heart. Renew in me. God, don't cast me away from your presence. That's repentance. Esau sought for it, but he couldn't find it. Uh, when I was young, and I was point I was making earlier, I'll never forget one of those good old-fashioned apostolic services. The preacher was preaching hard. Man, Conviction was in the room. Altar call was given. Knew I should have went to the altar. Probably everybody in the building, for the most part, that God had granted a repentance to. I've seen God move and people sit there like this, unmoved. You know why? Because they must have rejected something. And God's not pulling on them at that moment. Man, I don't want to ever get to a place that God lets me go. The Bible talks about a reprobate mind. Scary. It's scary, scary thing, scary to think about. When you can feel God, that's a gift, and that's what I'm preaching. He granted them, He gave them repentance. And I remember not responding to the altar that night, and 
went home. And I was sitting on a, my grandmother's swing, my brother and I, and my cousin Jay, who's now uh, assistant pastor in, where my dad pastors in Ripley. And uh, I'll never forget him making a statement. And I was just a little boy. He said, you ever notice that when you don't respond when God's moving, that it lifts and later you want it to come back so you can respond, but you can't get it back. It's like a window of opportunity. Man, he nailed it, but it is so true. God's been dealing with some of you that you're not responding. Just because you felt repentance in a place of repentance with a space to repent doesn't mean you're saved. You've got to repent. He told him in one place, go back and do your first works over. And it's possible to be a Christian and you, you waver away convictions. How? A little Hollywood here and a little Hollywood there. Turning on the news and just letting it play all day and commercials come through and pollute your home, pollute your atmosphere. And I was pondering in prayer today, how, how can a generation be converted? How, how can a a generation turn its heart against God, in, even in the church, because we allow the world in. We allow the world in the home. It makes so much more sense to me now why my dad and the elders preached against television back in the day so strong. Because I've seen a lot of young people that I grew up with, they're gone. Why? Because... They allowed their repentance to be eroded like a callus on a hand. He says, and Timothy, I want you to turn there. I'll get back to Job in a minute. And I'm, I am stirred, stirred to the core. But when you look at, hey, should we let the world in the church? Just no standards, no, no biblical traditions. Just, just... Do whatever you want to do. Salvation is up to you. Live how you want to live. Or do we want the Word? Do you want man determining how you're to live? Now, here's a great question. Do you want you to determine what's right or wrong? How scary is that? I'm talking about myself for me to determine what's right or wrong. No, I've got to stay in this book daily and on my knees. Why? I don't want my heart to fade away. Paul understood this when he wrote to the Galatians church. He said in Galatians 1 and 6, he said, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you unto grace unto another gospel. He said, which is not another. But there be some among you that pervert it. And he goes on to say, watch, watch how he deals with this concept of repentance. He said, though we include himself, or an angel from heaven come and preach any other thing than what we've preached to you, he said, let him be accursed. He said, if I come back some years later and I'm preaching something different than I'm preaching now, he said, don't listen to me. He said, because man can fade away. Can I ask you, do you still have the convictions that you used to have when you first came to the Lord? Do you? How about this? Your children, the way they dress and the way they act. Is that okay? Are you okay? Or are you allowing them to live in ways that 
back then your parents didn't want you to and you're living your life through your children because somewhere you faded away from what used to be a strong conviction because the public venue has challenged your children and you to allow them to fit in. Remember this. It, 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 it's here a little and there a little. What, what you do minimal, they're going to do in excess. And you might think, well, it's not, not a big deal. It's just, can I tell you, be very, very careful. All those listening, be very, very careful to involve your children in sports. And I'm going to tell you why. Because it's not long, if they're in that atmosphere long enough, they'll want to look like, act like, talk like, conversation with, things that are absolutely ungodly. And I do believe it's the parent's role to judge your children. And when they come in your house, when they come in, when they come to the house of God, I'm talking to the families, young families, listen to the pastor. When they come in, do they worship? Do they pray? Do they respond? Are they sensitive to the prince of God? Watch when a movement of God comes in the room. Watch your children. If they don't respond, there's a problem in your home. There's a problem in their heart. Someone maybe is speaking into their life. Maybe it's a device somewhere. Maybe it's a video game. Maybe it's something. But it's your role to make sure there's an atmosphere of repentance. And you've got to ask yourself a question. Is my home a place of repentance where we fill it out things the way God does? Or is it a place where we override convictions because we love entertainment more than we do his word? I'm going to tell you what happened in the church is when we replaced devotion with entertainment. That's what happened. Instead of time in the word, we replaced it with entertainment. And it's not long until atheists and agnostics and whoremongers and, 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 and adulterers and fornicators are entertaining our children because we are tired and we're weary and we worked all day and we've got to have something to make us feel a little bit better. Can I tell you what we need more than anything? We need the presence of God. We need a move of God in our home. Listen, I'm pleading your cause. I just read the book of Lamentations a couple of days ago. He was pleading in the cause of the people and I come to you right now with fervency we've got to get back to prayer don't lose the convictions the tears running down your face in the house of God you've got to get back to that is a weeping before his presence and feeling the presence oh would you lift your hands right now in your home and say God lead me back to a place lead me back to a place of repentance in Jesus name in Jesus name in Jesus name he Paul warns Timothy, and 1 Timothy, if you'll turn there with me, 1 Timothy chapter 4, in, in, both, in both books, 1 and 2 Timothy, he is speaking to the next generation, and so he is, he, is, he is warning him because every generation needs warned. Because there's going to be a day that I'm not going to be around if the Lord tarries. It's a warning to you. Mom and dad, have you had this conversation with your kids? Because there's going to be a moment that they might live in another state. Have you indoctrinated your kids with the word and an atmosphere of repentance? When's the last time you've seen your child weeping? I don't know why I'm hitting this, but weeping in the presence of God. Are they right with the Lord? Look at 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly. That in the latter times, some shall what? 
Depart from the faith giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Speaking lies in hypocrisy. Having their conscience seared with a hot iron. He goes on and talks about some things. But second, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, he also warns of the last days. He said this, Know also that in the last days perilous or dangerous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, watch this, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such, turn away. And when you are looking at this, there is something that's being said. It is the last days. And these are the things that are going to happen. When he said disobedient to parents, he wasn't talking about your children. He's talking about disobedient to the previous generation. And if we're not careful, we will allow ourselves to fade away from what God gave us to begin with, and that was his heartbeat. You have to make up in your mind, am I going to fall to the pressures of society? Am I going to cater to the antichrist spirit that's up on this earth? I preached it for weeks. I wept in this pulpit probably five weeks or more because what God spoke to me walking down that, that side, down that wall one day, praying, the Lord spoke to me. But it's not just what you watch, but it's who you entertain yourself with. And I come to you burdened because of the Antichrist spirit that is up on the earth. If you're not careful, you'll fall calloused, conscience seared because the spirit of the Antichrist is prevalent upon the earth. What do you need? You need a place of repentance to where you feel about things the way God does. Let's, let's look at Job and and uh, look what it says. God said, Hast thou considered my servant Job that there is none like him in the earth? A perfect and an upright man, one that what? Feareth God and escheweth evil. You know what that means, escheweth? It means hate with an extreme hatred. Job hated evil. Does sin bother you? I heard an old timer tell me this one time, and it's so true that there's three steps to backsliding. He said, number one, he said tolerance. He said tolerance is when you say, oh, I would never do it, but I will allow it around me. Number two is acceptance. Acceptance says, says I won't do it, but it's okay if you do. It's not for me. I, I'm not that way. I, I, you know, I, I don't have those demons, but it's, it's, it's okay if you do it. it. It doesn't bother me. I'm fine with that. I think it's okay that you do it. Third is participation. And I'm going to tell you, I believe where the church is. If we're not careful, we've been in such a tolerant stage that if we're not careful, we'll come into an acceptance stage to where the church now begins to participate. I'm not, just, I'm not talking about the anger. I'm talking about in general. Start participating in sinful things instead of hating what God hates. Last 
in, in the book of Hebrews, I want to bring you a verse. You see, in our culture, in our culture, there is something that is said that if you don't agree with someone, that means you hate them. That's not true. I can disagree with you and your lifestyle and you live, and I can still love you. But our culture is now saying, you have to say I'm okay. You have to agree with me or you're against me. That's not true. It's just not true at all. It's not true. Listen to this preacher. Don't fall into that trap that they force you to accept the way they live. It's, it's a trick. We gotta, the Bible says in that day they would call evil good and they would call what? Good evil. Why? Jeremiah even goes on to say that when they would commit abominations, they would not even blush. How did that happen? A conscience seared. Immorality and shows in the home with homosexuality and adultery and fornication and no, no wonder people go to the no wonder people go to the beaches and lay lay half naked on the beaches vacation and they say it's okay and say they're a Christian but they're immoral. You say preacher, you sound hard. I'm just telling you, it's not right. It's not right where, where the pendulum has swung into the body of Christ. We've got to get back to, listen, it is possible to think you're saved and you're lost. How? You lost convictions. And probably the most dangerous place to be, as I was preached to, and as I heard it preached, I still believe it's true. It's not, it's not dangerous to commit sin because we've all sinned and we're going to make mistakes. What's dangerous is when you sin but you don't feel bad about it. The conscience has now been seared. It's been calloused with time. That it no longer bothers you to have a curse word to come out of your mouth, to see a, a website. It doesn't bother you to have, tell certain jokes and have certain conversations. At one point, you'd have grieved. You'd have thought about it all day. You'd have, you'd have wept and cried and, at the lunchtime because you even heard such a thing. You would have walked out of that conversation one time, but what happens is here a little and there a little. I know there's been a bent of my message talking to the young families, but I want you to hear this. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7, it says, By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet. He was warned by God. Number two, he was moved with fear. He prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteous which is by faith. Listen, I'm going to tell you how Noah won his family. Listen, there were only eight souls saved in the whole world, but his kids made it. I'm going to tell you how his kids made it. He condemned the world to his kids. He said, it's wrong. I don't care if it's voted in. It's wrong. I don't care if the Supreme Court says, I don't, whatever, whatever is legalized, Drug addiction, all these things, abortion and, and same-sex marriage, it's wrong. It is to be condemned by the body of Christ. You say, well, you sound bold. We need to be bold in an hour that we live in. We need to pray for our nation. We need to pray for God to move over every, every, every place in our country. There will be a great harvest in this country, but it's going to start in the body of Christ. And how's it going to start? we got to start condemning things inside of our houses, and condemning things inside, inside the church house. There are some things that's just sin. Somebody say it's sin. I know if you was here right now, you'd be on your feet clapping your hands saying, preach, pastor, preach, pastor, preach. 
How did Noah save his house? He condemned the world. You've got to have Bible studies. And I thought this... I thought this afternoon in prayer, I thought about this. How is a generation lost in the church? Here's how it is. Devotion becomes replaced with entertainment. And indoctrination is left up to the church with your children. Do you hear me? Devotion is replaced with entertainment. And the indoctrination of biblical teachings to your children is replaced and handed the responsibility to the church. Think of this. It's not fair to your children to replace all biblical indoctrination up on the church and you do nothing as, a, as the high priest of your home, as a father and as a mother. It's your responsibility to indoctrinate your kids. Go tonight, read Deuteronomy chapter 6. It's your responsibility to pray for them, to indoctrinate them up on morality. What is right? What is wrong? What does the Bible teach? Go home. Listen, we preach multiple times a week. Take those Bible studies. Take those home. Take notes and teach your children. The Bible says teach them diligently unto thy children. He told Timothy as I come to a close. He said, Timothy, he said, he said, from a child you've known these holy scriptures. Why? Because your mother and your grandmother. Yeah, they indoctrinated. They, they were faithful people. And so here today, my title of this was True Repentance. God looks out of heaven. Does he see you in a, in a tolerant stage? Is he looking at you in an acceptance stage? Is he looking at you in a sinful participation stage? Because the Bible says the soul that sinneth. He said it this way. He said, listen. He said, if you, he said the law says that if you commit adultery, it's worthy of death. He said, but I tell you this, but if you've committed it in your heart, You've already sinned. Why? Because the act, the Bible says your sins will find you out. When someone sins, you find out which actually what's been going secretly in their heart. God saw you before you ever made the mistake. He saw the who before it ever produced the what. And that was sin. When lust is conceived, it brings forth sin. When it's thought on, it's dwelled on in your life, and I'm preaching to you. Because I believe you need to bring every thought into captivity. You need to control what's controlling your thoughts. Some of you right now that's listening to me preach, you're saying, oh, I haven't committed it. But I, I, I've, got this, I've got this overwhelming thoughts and cravings and desires that aren't like God. It's because somehow it got in your heart and it's got in your mind. I don't know how, but maybe somewhere, somebody, somebody in your life, the wrong person speaking in your life. Maybe it's a movie you watch. Maybe it's somewhere you went, somewhere you shouldn't have been. But I come to tell you, the Bible says, we have an advocate with the Father, the righteous, who is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And I'm not just talking about the deed, but when God brings you repentance, he allows you to bring every thought into captivity. He can bring every fear, every lust, every dream. Dying, uh, craving desire for some level of addiction. He can conquer that, amen, through you, by you. Come on, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down every imagination which exalted itself against God. When God brings you to repentance, he's going to give you grace to live a repentant life. He will. He'll give you power to be holy, power to be righteous, power to be faithful. He'll give you the power 
The power to be in his word, the power to pray, the power to intercede. But he's waiting on you to respond to conviction. Respond to conviction. I'll never forget the story. I wasn't planning on telling this, but I feel like telling this. I'll never forget my dad telling the story. And I, I don't remember, I don't remember the exact, exact detail. I might have a name wrong, but I remember my dad preaching this when he had traveling. It always moved me. He said there was a man that came to the Lord and gave his life to God and said he was on the front row, jumping up and down and worshiping and thanking God, and he was so excited about being saved. And said he came for a period of time, was faithful, and said all of a sudden you look and he was a little further back and less enthused and a little further back and less enthused and a little farther back and on the back row and just twiddling his thumbs and wasn't enthused at all and it wasn't long until... He missed a week here, and you call, oh, I'll be there next week, then missed two weeks, then three weeks, and two months, and he's not there. What happened to him? What happened to him? How did that happen? Somewhere, he allowed something in his heart. He allowed a little something to separate him from the body, separate him even from the Lord, and, and the devil took his life, went out, and ended up, End up, he, he, he died sometime later in a sinful act. And what I'm saying to you, salvation isn't just a moment. The Bible says, he that endureth to the end. There's some things we're going to endure. There's some things we're going to overcome. How are we going to do it? We're going to do it through the blood of the Lamb. We're going to do it, hey, if he forgave me before, he can forgive me again. Let's stand. In your room, in your in your bedroom, your living room, your wherever you're at, maybe the kitchen, and uh, maybe you're watching going down the road. Just just listen to me. We've got to get a hold of God. I don't want to ever get to a place where I think I'm saved, but I'm lost. Why? Because somehow I allowed convictions to leave. I allowed the passion of prayer, devotion, and love for God. Listen, you need to do everything you can. We're going to be safe. We are. It's spread out. Sunday, Saturday night be a great service to come to. It's been our smallest crowd since cases came in Muskingum County. But you ought to be, do everything you can to be in the house of God. I appreciate all your kind words. We're doing our best about being safe and protecting from this virus as much as we can. But you need to be in the house of God. You need to be worshiping the Lord. You need to have a faithful plan saying, I'm not going to miss church. I'm not going to miss prayer. I'm not going to miss my time in the Word because i got to get right with God. Listen, it's not time to get worldly. It's time to become holy. Lord, in Jesus' name, I pray for every viewer, everyone that's watching right now. Lord, you know my heart today. True repentance is what we need place of repentance. I don't want to be like Esau who sought for it, but he couldn't find it. He'd ignored it long enough. He didn't want that birthright. He wanted to please his flesh. When he came down and he needed it, he couldn't find, he could not find that place of change. It wasn't there. But God, there's hundreds of people that you're stirring. My prayer recently has been there's multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. I pray that, God, they will respond to every conviction. Listen, the Lord's going to give you convictions. He's going to give you convictions, and you need to follow them.
Convictions about how you look. Convictions about how you talk. Convictions how you conduct yourself. He's going to do it because he's giving you his desires. Hey, Job. I love you, Job. You know why? Because you love the things I love. And you hate the things I hate. It's okay to hate sin. We're going to love the sinner, but we're going to hate sin. Somebody say amen. Lord, I pray over them right now. God, let there be repentance. Why don't you turn some prayer music on in your, in your home? Turn some prayer and just take a time and evaluate your life. Evaluate your heart. Go look in the mirror and say, are you right with God? Because he's coming soon. Listen to this preacher. You've ever heard me say anything? The Lord's coming. And that trump is going to sound. And he's going to come after a bride that's made herself ready. Not to please her, but to please him. There's some things we change in our life. Not to please us, but we know it pleases the Lord. And that's why we do it. I'm so glad you tuned in tonight. We're looking forward to seeing you in person. But right now, there's conviction falling in your home. It ought to bother you that you're not praying. It ought to bother you that you're reverting back to your old habits. You need to go pick up some of those truths and revelations God gave you again. So you know what? I am not going to be lost. I am not backsliding this time. I am not walking away from God. I refuse. Come on, you got to get some tenacity about you, stickability to you. That says, I'm going to stay in the church. I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. I'm preaching to somebody. I'm going to make it. I, I'm not walking away from God. I don't care what my family does. I don't care my, what my friends are trying to get me to do. I'm going to live for Jesus. I'm going to live for Jesus. I'm going to live for Jesus. Amen. God bless you today. As you Please take time to pray. I feel conviction in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'll see you Sunday. Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.